I am more than honored, more than privileged, and more than happy to have invited not only someone who I've looked up to for, uh, oh, gee, almost 15 years now, maybe more than that, uh, followed his work, uh, and it's just, when I need a question answered about things pertaining to self-defense, things pertaining to more of the reality-based martial arts outside of the traditions, it's the work of Avi Nardia that I go to. And the reason I say that is because as a traditional martial artist myself, uh, sometimes there's a language, there's a unique language that we have, and I can always find those answers in the work that uh, Avi Sensei does. And I call him Avi Sensei because he spent, he lived in Japan, he studied martial arts in Japan, but he also has an extensive military background uh, with the Israeli Defense Forces, and he also, as an instructor and trainer in Israel, and uh, now with his work, we were just joking about before the before we started recording about his inability to sit still as a globetrotter and teaching whether he's in africa he's going to the uk in a few weeks he just came back from the united states and he's in serbia right now and he's just all over the world all the time teaching and this has been his life this is the essence of uh his he who he is as a warrior and when i mean it when i say it i truly mean that if you are here present with us during this session, during this time, in this conversation with Avi Nardia, you are very privileged. So make sure you have your pen out, make sure you have paper, get ready to take some notes because this is not an opportunity that happens too often. Welcome to the Close Quarter Dad podcast, discussions about raising your kids with confidence, safety, and resilience. I'm your host, Adam Mitchell, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we began this, we were talking about uh, your current work, and I think that this kind of, you know, before we get into your background, for anybody who hasn't heard of you or doesn't know your work or your history, and even your roots in Israel uh, with your father and your, the, the roots in the military, I want to start this conversation with, we were talking about uh, our, our martial arts training environment, which in Japanese we call, I'm, I'm sure everybody knows the term dojo. And we were talking about the, it, 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 and I'm going to quote you here, Avi, you say, it's the spirit of the thing. And how, you know, in my dojo here in New York, I don't, I don't rent it out to a Krav Maga guy and then a yoga woman on, you know, yoga teacher on Sunday morning. And then I've got a karate person that comes in and then I do a women's self-defense and all these different satellite things just to keep the lights on. We're either going to do it right. We're going to do it in our way. And you, you spoke about, you know, you wouldn't have someone come into your house. And I'd like to start here because I think that you, you, you define that so well when it comes to a training mindset. And I'd like this to begin to have be the starting point because the goal of my conversation with you is to really help men understand and the parents here that are watching this, how they can step into a mindset of working with their children and taking on the role as the guide and the mentor and the teacher in the space of warriorship or personal protection. You know, I will start with a funny story about a teacher named Eddie Bravo and, uh, story go for the Machado family for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and uh, Eddie Bravo coming to the school, a very famous story and he uh, asked them why they charge so much money while the Taekwondo school in front of them charge half and uh, the story got that John hugged him and say, look this is a Mercedes and you have also Toyota and Toyota is a good car, maybe, I don't know, because I don't sell Toyota. With the time, Eddie Bravo became a world-renowned uh, instructor and champion. And I think that many times people, mostly, I don't want to insult because I will not tell you that in Belgrade it's different. If I teach in Belgrade, uh, people from New Belgrade, I don't see them coming here because you have to cross the river and you have like only four bridges and then, you know, it takes time and traffic. And in the U.S., we have the five miles, uh, you know, people don't cross five miles. I cross uh, the ocean to study. And 
sometimes people tell me, oh, it's far, it's like 30 minutes away from me. I still fly to meet teachers and to study with teachers. And I think that this is the responsibility of parents to their kids to put them in the right place. And not every school that ever signed martial art, and no matter what will be the name, is a good martial art school. And today, uh, Shihan Chris Shabazz from Kyokushin, he sent me a message about some teacher from uh, Rochester area that just been arrested today as a pedophile and misbehavior on students. And people need to remember that a lot of, I don't say a lot, but I will say that any profession that have a touch with kids might attract also pedophile into it. I mean, 90% are normal people, maybe good people, family people, but uh, you need to be careful because some teachers might, it can be also in summer camp, not only in a martial art, it could be in a wrestling, in any sport that, you know, people that want to or attract to work with kids, some of them will not be attracted uh, with kids because they want really properly educated the next generation and they see it as a mission and as a, like I see it as a priest. I, people told me, what is your job? And I say, I'm a priest. What is your religion, martial art? Even the rabbi here or many priests, they know I I don't think I'm less than they are. I don't need the title of to be a pastor or a rabbi. My God is the same God. My mission is the same mission. I teach moral, I teach education. And when I also discuss this with people, I say that <clears throat> if you look for the Second World War, the Germans were genius. Very good in medical, very good in science. And we can see also this kind of uh, sometimes, you know, the ball is keep circle. And sometimes we might find it even in our generation. But you can see a lot of people that are might be brilliant in science, in mathematics, in, in computer in our generation, but their mind is different. And they don't teach uh, education with a moral ethic and uh, how to say like uh, values. So a martial art teach school, they teach you only to be a gladiator, only to beat the people, which we see a lot. They, they teach you, I will make you strong and you can beat up everyone in the neighborhood. Um, my question all the time, and I think that as a parent is very important, is this teacher also teach the kids education? Is also teaching them about moral, about um, values and um, this is i think different between martial uh, modern martial art that see only the combat parts many time and i don't i i make sometimes generic you know i don't say i'm sure that there are also other in both sides you know that going wrong but uh, the most important is that uh, the martial art teacher will teach also values moral ethic and uh, we are facing a modern days that uh, I call it, somebody tried to confuse the people around the world. We cannot say gender. We cannot say I'm a man or I'm a woman anymore. You know, we, Somebody confusing us. And you can see that it's a very strong evil hands from far. I'm worried because I have a son. I'm not worried about, because of myself. I can take any beat up and I've been everywhere. So even if I die tomorrow, I'm satisfied. I did a lot. But when I see the next generation, and this is why I'm also talking about this, I'm very worried because uh, right now I see that uh, everything that was wrong when I was a child, suddenly it's okay. And more than it's okay, this is like the, the agenda. And that things really worried me. And again, uh, uh, you can tell that the media, which is controlled by some kind of uh, rich hands, show us totally different. And I have a, a lot of kids' questions. My question is, for example, how a person like Jerry Epstein could exist for so many years before somebody took him down. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Ooh, I think that this is called in one word corruption and no matter, you know, like uh, I think that uh, sometimes 
also as, as leaders, we have to face it and say corruption. Okay, um, when I go to a normal bed, you have a king-size bed. That's a, okay corruption for leaders to, to a little bit spoil themselves because they supposedly to sacrifice all their time for leading. But I think that uh, in many ways, uh, the world today is a little bit getting too much strange. Technology is too much taking over. People cannot do one plus one. They need the smartphone. And there's no smartphone. There's no smart car. You know, I go in a car and the car lock my doors, open the window. I, I don't need it. Some things need to still be on my decision. And we became a society that... Uh, Somebody take decisions too much for us. We need to take decisions, not my phone. My phone cannot say to me, okay, I put all your contacts in this and that. And smartphones, uh, it's a tool. And when the tool take over, it's a problem. And, and, uh, and I think that the, the young generation is uh, exposed to all of those new tools that uh, actually a lot of intelligent also worldwide, you know, People that don't like America will try to control by, you know, by putting minds in the media that uh, will be control young generation. But I can see that many things, you know, and I, and I remember when I moved to the U.S. like maybe 20 years ago, a little bit more, they start with all reality show and, and it's not reality anymore. They bring all the strange people to the TV. All is a fake you know, and again, I, I'm happy that there's uh, surgeries, you know, to, to make yourself, you know, <laughs> looks better. But you could see that it became like uh, it's not a real lips. It's not a real uh, everything. And, and but we, we call it reality. So somebody is changing our reality. You know, my reality as a child was... Uh, uh, a place we play on the sand, we play with sticks, with stones. That's reality. Today, every all the reality is illusionary. How are we saving the young generation from yeah. that? You know, I, I would say one of the big things that I always speak about, uh, Avi, with families and, you know, in any of my courses and programs that I teach, is one of the most important things is exposure and getting children to be exposed, whether it's exposed to nature. As you know, as a judoka, the, one of the most valuable things a child can learn in judo isn't to throw someone, but it's actually to get thrown. The impact of the ground, of hitting the ground, because if somebody doesn't have experience in being thrown and hitting the ground, the moment they ever encounter that in life and they get hit to the ground, they're going to freeze. They're going to lock up. They're not going to know how to respond. So that, that type of exposure is critically important. The exposure of getting you know, hit in the face. You can open hand slap someone in the face. And if they've never been struck before, that's going to put them into a place of shock. That's why we often say, I mean, you've heard this and probably can bring a lot more color to it even than I, that you know, I am much more convinced in the capacity of a kid who's grown up in the projects, in the ghetto, who's been abused by his parents and by his neighbors his whole life, his ability, but has never stepped into a martial arts school, an MMA gym or anything, but has lived that life and has been exposed to that, their ability to be able to, to, have, uh, to take care of themselves in an altercation is much greater than someone who hasn't had that exposure, meanwhile, has a number of stripes on their black belt, right? So I think that that exposure is so important. What I'd like to do, though, is I'd like to take a couple steps back and I, 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 I don't want to leave behind that important thing that is going to stick in my mind now probably for a few weeks, which is what you said about the, the honoring the training space and honoring the area that you create and you make as your own. And I'm almost certain, I'm almost certain that if you were to take one year of your time and, and train and create, build a dojo, or, or build a training environment. Let's step outside of the Japanese terminology. But if you were to build a training environment and you were to have your students who, by the way, travel, as you know, from all over the world to train with you. But if you trained in that space and then there was another identical space right next to it, a year later, I don't know what kind of magic or what kind of universal energy or whatever, whatever, it doesn't make a difference. I'm, without a fathom of a doubt, I am certain if... Everyone, everyone walked out of those two rooms. 
and I walked in one and I walked in the other, I would know by the feeling of it that this was your dojo. There wouldn't have to be an Avinardi picture on the wall. There wouldn't have to be anything. Just a place that you trained in. Nobody else, no other martial art shared that, that environment, but it was just you. And then there was an empty space. I know that I would be able to pick up on that feeling, that spirit. I've done it before. I know you know what I'm talking about. And this is what I want to kind of capture in this conversation, that a family, that a father can create that with something that's very unique and something that I would be able to, if I was in the presence of that family, I'd be like, wow, I can feel this energy. I can feel what the, what's happening here. And I want to know if you can expand on what makes that true based on your experience. You know, uh, I had a teacher, he has a student, now he's a world champion in karate in some tournament really important. And he looked at me and he said, you know, before I met you, I even never put the flag of Japan on my wall. And when I met you, I put by myself the flag of Israel on the wall. And I told them, you should be ashamed because the first you have to put the, sh the flag of the United States because I'm also American, by the way. But uh, not because yeah. of this, but the first you're American, you put your own country flag. And then if you teach other cultures, you can also put them and, and you can show respect to everyone. Now, what you say, I'm going to tell you another story. I'm coming to Rochester, New York, and the guy is a black belt and he come to study with me. And... When the class finished, everyone cleaning the class, and I told him to help. And he told me, I'm not trying to be disres uh, disrespectful. You know, I'm also a black belt, and I know about dojo and everything. But when I do shopping in Walmart, I don't need to clean after. I mean, that's why I'm paying you. And I look at him, and I say, why don't you go and study karate at Walmart? Because <laughs> in my school, it's my country, my rules. And that's exactly where the education, when you can see immediately in my school. In my school, there is a rule. Students clean yeah, the school. Right. Even now, I have a private student. Yesterday, my wife, she wrote a report to the parents, you know, with all, because I, I film them, I give them uh, things. And by the way, I recommend to every parent to ask many times that the teacher will have a camera and they can you know, I do it to my cat. I can watch my cat even in the cat's hotel when she eats what she's doing. Because just today, like I told you, there was a pedophile teacher being arrested. And my schools, all my teachers, I told them, you teach kids, you must have a camera. Yeah. At least one, I prefer that they will have like four angles and that will give them. We have nothing to hide. Um, what I want to tell you is that uh, you go to any school that I work and you see that students clean the school, even the children. And it's funny because uh, many parents come to me and say, you know, my kid never clean even does. And after I start studying with you, he suddenly start to clean, to help, to, to get this kind of uh, feeling. And uh, I think that uh, kids' class, you will see that... Uh, it's it's a I think that the teacher can be judged by how we run a kids class, not MMA yeah. class. MMA class is ego, kids class is the art. How you can talk to them, uh, make them listen, how you transfer it for them uh, education, and and also you know who didn't make today homework, and then you know okay you promised me you will go home this, and you know if you don't make homework or if I, I show me your marks from school. And then I say, okay, if these marks are not going up, you cannot keep studying with me. And people love it. Uh, you know, I teach with uh, Carlos Newton, a UFC fighter, uh, Creek tribes and Inuit tribes in the north. People, people even didn't hear about the villages that we go in the north. It's called James Bay. So many small villages of native communities with a lot of problems. This is up in and, northern uh, Canada, right? Yeah. Yes, and the government uh, give some budget to to try to put the kids in a place with uh, with a martial art program. And the first time I go, and Carlos told me, "Look, sometimes four kids coming, five kids." And then he called me and says, "How many kids did you add?" And I say, "About twenty-eight." And he say, "How's that?" I say, 
look, I immediately, when I go there and I see it's in the middle of nowhere, kids going there and there, and they smoke and they drink alcohol. I just grow up. I, I had a van and it looks like a kidnap, you know, I stop. <laughs> the driver stopped because I had a driver and I said, stop here, open the, the van door, put the kids inside, put them in the martial art hall. And I loaded the class. And you know what? If I kick a kid from a martial arts school, he will cry. And why it was very important, because uh, later on, kids telling you their own story. They see you like the first character in their life to influence yeah. them. And the, the kids telling me that his father is in prison, uh, his mother get beaten up, she has another boyfriend, he's alcoholic. Sometime, the teacher, and I'll tell you another story about this, is the only character in their life and even if the parents are very successful and very important lawyers or governor or whatever, uh, many times, including me, because I'm very busy as a teacher and sometimes I miss it in my own house, by the way. I'm not trying to say that I'm a saint, yeah? But uh, the people that are taking the mission to teach most of people, or uh, we're sometimes busy. And even our kids need some character in their life, too to helping them to see um, a role model. And uh, when I was in, living in Israel and I had my school, there was a kid and uh, he lost his mom and his father was drunk and uh, he came to my school, he wanted to study. And I said, okay, we do agreement. You help me, you clean the school, I give you different missions and um, you can study for free. And uh, the kid, uh, it became like 13, and then one day I could smell that he drink and he smoke, and I just locked the door. And I told him we play airplane. And airplane in judo, I fly you, your legs touching this, <laughs> and then you fall down. He vamoed all over the school. I told him, now you clean the school. And when I come back, and I know your address, if you don't be in this school, tomorrow and if, and if if your father want to come because i already told his father i'll break your neck if the kid don't come to my school so why i'm telling you the story is not a hero story but maybe five years ago i'm going to visit in israel and some adult coming to me and you have a baby carriage with a baby like maybe one year old and then you have another like uh, three years old walking and a baby in his hand and with three kids, he come to me. But five meters before, he bow and he says, Sensei, can I talk to you? And you introduce me as a Sensei. I never say, if you go to my Facebook, you don't right. say Sensei Avinardia, like many teachers put Grandmaster. But all my students yeah. call me Sensei by themselves because yeah. uh, I respect. And the word Sensei has a lot of meaning that I always say that you have to earn it. Don't put it on your wall. Don't put it on your dojo or your posters. If people start to call you by themselves, sensei, you earn it really. And uh, what happened, the kid come to me and he says, do you remember me? And I smile, of course I know who he is. And he said, you know, and then he go to the army when he was 18. And he told me, I've been shot in Gaza with RPG, uh, grenades, shot with AK-47. And you know what he told me? I'm still scared of you more than anything in my life. And I said, then I, it, it's good for me because now I know that I was a good teacher. Sensei don't sell ice cream. Sometimes we give the students ice cream, but you're like more than even the father. They respect you in a, in a way that you are a role model. You're like a, like a priest in the church. You cannot disappoint their, 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 their trust. That's why uh, a teacher that uh, doing something wrong with uh, the students, mostly kids, I have no mercy yeah. for him. I'm sorry. Because you're like uh, in a mission and people in this kind of mission, the parents trust you and the kids most. You cannot disappoint them. And this is why uh, I can be nice. I, I always nice, but the kids, once I flip, I say, hey, you come. They immediately, you know, like soldiers. And it's fine. When my kid was uh, seven, I did a birthday party for them with uh, Toby. Right. You know Toby from right. Survivor. 
And I made them like a boot camp and they had to camouflage themselves with, you know, colors like Navy Seals and stand in lines. And I said, line up and they're like, Oop, and they straight up, relax. Oop, and, and then, you know, uh, we play different games and uh, military style games. And then one of the parents, father, I will never forget. And he told in front of everyone, oh, how oh boy, those kids can tolerance. I will spank him in the face and I flip immediately. I say, you come over here. I break your leg. You come over here. You never talk to me. I made him do it in front of everyone, his wife, his kids. Then push up. And all the kids told him, don't mess with this sensei. He'll beat you up in front of everyone. And then until now, they see me. They're all 22 years old. They say, remember the birthday? That was the best ever birthday yeah. in their life. Because uh, discipline is a part of life. And if you don't have a discipline, that start in cleaning yeah. the dojo. In, in, in you go to the you know in in Japan, kids study even to clean the, the schools. Toilet. They clean the schools. Yeah. And, and this is a part of a discipline. I don't say to go extreme, of course, but a part of martial art. If you want to do good work, to discipline and and to teach them what is a commitment, what is to be devoted. If you don't devote to something. It's no matter, but, you know, kids in America or in the West, we want a dog. Okay, you have to walk that dog three times a day minimum, and you have to make sure he has water and food and clean after him. You know, you you brought up a really interesting point. I want to share a story with you. I know when I go to Japan, one of the most important things for me is, you know, shoji, the the ritualistic cleaning of the dojo, right? And I'm I'm not ever suggesting that any of the the dads or parents have their kids do ritualistic cleaning of the household (laughs) if you want to go for it but in the in the martial art there is that and i want to i want to kind of share something with you avi that i know you'll understand that's the spirit of this and it's at 5 30 to 6 in the morning i get up and i come downstairs because in our dojo the apartments are upstairs above the above the school we come down i come down by myself because it's one of the best times when i go to japan is in that early morning and going in and cleaning the mats and cleaning the kamiza and the, you know just making sure everything is clean and orderly now bef- after class had ended the day before and everyone left i came down and i did that so i'm cleaning something that had just gotten cleaned but that's not the point it's the mindset of it. And in my dojo here in New York, the kids' class, they wipe the mats at the beginning of class and at the end of class. And they fold their uniforms after they bow out. They sit down. They have, there's a specific way. You know, the Aikido people, they have their own way. The karate people, they have their own way. We have our own way. But that's extremely important is, uh, is that level of ownership of their, their own equipment and their training environment. And then this this really, one day, I was doing some private training with two gentlemen that own a very big Taekwondo school, a chain of schools in Connecticut. And they wanted to add something. They wanted to have some upsell weapons program or something. And they didn't do weapons. They just did you know kind of basic Taekwondo. But they had a huge school and they had a lot of kids. They wanted to do a, uh, a six-foot staff program. So they wanted to learn a couple staff techniques, and they wanted to add it as like their black belt club or whatever they called it. I don't know. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll work with you. You guys are welcome to come to my dojo one, a few afternoons for a couple months, and I'll teach you some basics. Uh, and they became kind of some kind of long-term students. But I'll never forget what happened when both of them came into my dojo. Now, this is, the, this is our, my older dojo. This was probably in around 2009, somewhere around there. I had a sword. I have, you know, kind of like this one right here. I had a sword sitting there, and it was at about knee level, and it was right in my dojo, and anybody could walk over to it at any time and grab it and swing it around or do anything. And, you know, my insurance agent may not have liked that, but it was part of my dojo. And they said, they were shocked because they said, you, you never had a kid grab that? And, you know, we had about 200 kids at the dojo at the time. I said, no, it might, the kids don't, they would never think about touching that sword. They don't even notice that sword. And they're like, wow, if that was our school, that sword would have been thrown into the wall or hey, someone would have been gone to the hospital. And I said, I know. 
That, and I think that is the fundamental. And the question I had with him right there was, do your kids clean the dojo? No, no, we have a, we have a company that comes in at night and they do the, okay, right. So I think going all the way back to the original point here where the spirit of it, this is like, I don't want someone else cleaning my dojo. We clean our dojo. I don't want someone else cleaning my training at my gym. We clean it. Uh, gym may be different, but I don't know how much different. I could never teach baseball, Avi, because I wouldn't be concerned with the kid tagging someone out at first. I'd be more, consider about, more concerned about the kid who has to throw his baseball bat in his helmet when he's pissed off. I want to make sure all the bats are like swords on, you know, lined up and the gear and their, their stuff is taken. Because when they have ownership of that, they're going to perform so much better, right? And they're going to be able to learn the lessons much better. They're going to feel more, they're going to, they're going to become part of the thing. And I think that that's what you were saying when you said, no, I don't want someone else at my school. I don't want someone else at my, in my, you know, this is my spirit. Right? How does that sound to you? Is that am I am I getting what you're saying correctly? I yeah. think so. I think the same for me. You know, like uh, what you say is like you don't even need to explain that you don't touch the sword. I mean, it's obviously this is not a playground. This yeah. is a dojo, and that's why I say we are not selling ice cream. We are teachers, and the students once they step in, it's like you know the Machado say. Um, Put your shoes out and put your ego out. But uh, I think that uh, by putting your shoes out and uh, ego out, it means, you know, when you go in the dojo, even if you have a gold watch, you took it out. If you have a chain, yeah. you take it out. If you are like the best uh, head, you put everything out and you put a white belt and you humble yourself and you put your $1 million shoes yeah. out. And now you and me, we're bare feet, we're equal. It's no matter if I come from the hood and you come from the top neighborhood. So uh, something when you step in the dojo, you humble yourself and we can practice in the same environment, rich people, poor people, middle people, uh, not everyone together. So I think that uh, what you said is, uh, is exactly, it's like how you build the spirit you build it from day one, not from, and this is why you can run a school with a lot of students and you might look for program uh, with a shooting or a program with, a, I don't know, nunchako, but that's not going to solve that you are missing. Do you think basics. it's possible for, do you think because it's possible for a parent to create a, a, a program or a system within their family uh, without this? Do you think it's, I, you know, is it possible for, for <laughs> was it possible for Daniel-san to learn from Miyagi without the waxing on of the car and the waxing off? Uh, is it possible for someone in basic training in the military to learn how to be a soldier without polishing their boots and making their bed? <laughs> it's a hard question. And uh, I, I don't think that is absolute... Uh, answer it's very depend on on the student itself many times and the average students they will not be able to study without that's why we must have it maybe some unique note but you need also to understand that as the kid understand not to touch your sword tomorrow is not going to touch his father firearm even if it's on the table that's, a good point. And that's where um why the parents need also to support it is not because, you know, a lot of time, uh, you know, in my school, when people coming, when I have a kids program, I say, you know, that in my school, I raise my voice on kids. But, you know, I'm not I'm not really mad. It's all a, a, a it's a theater. Hey, it's a theater. It's a part of I call it a game. And uh, but it's very important because the kids yeah. need it. My cat, she will talk to you. My dog will talk to you. I mean, when they are like, oh, I'm angry. I'm, I'm, and there's nothing wrong about this. And now what you talk about Miyagi, I think it's very important, but we have to split two things. Like we talked about even uh, react to pain or resist to arrest. Do you remember like that words that I said that sometimes you see policemen, you almost broke the guy's hand and he says, stop, resist. He don't resist. He react for pain. So 
what we talking as long as you don't talk about abuse so you talked about other company clean the school i must tell you i clean my school when all the students leave i i keep cleaning the school but is it and i don't really need the kids to clean the school because i don't really trust their cleaning it's more like as as a education so uh the school must be real clean because uh the mat is the most dangerous part in the school you can have uh stuff you can have uh, bacteria fungus and this is why before and after training people need to clean it it don't mean that i trust them when they finish i wash the mat myself with antibacterial and i know that i wash i know that there's no one bacteria left and then i also spray with something uh antibacterial and leave it you know for overnight to to fresh one thing i think a lot of people need so, to understand is you know especially someone and parents who haven't stepped into this type of experience ever and they want to get started is that you have to ask a question do you want to create a fighter or do you want to create a warrior in your child and you know and i know that this is a cliche word and it's thrown around and there's companies called that and whatever but there's you know there's sort of in the japanese tradition you know we have that bushi do like that way of warriorship but then there's also a fighter and you know we can train fighters that's easy right but building a warrior is a different thing and this level like you're talking about this attention to your training environment the attention to your training tools the attention to maintaining that that's 80% of the work, uh, you know, and then 10% of the work is fitness and diet and, and taking care of the body and the machine. A very small part of it is the actual fighting when it comes right down to it, you know? And I think that that's something that a lot, yeah. of, uh, a lot of people miss. And when you step into wanting to work with your kids, I have a, a, a student, you, you worked with him many years ago. Uh, his name is Brian Vaughn, and he is a, uh, he's a decorated Marine Vietnam veteran. Uh, Purple Heart recipient, just a, a an incredible man, and one of the people I'm so happy to have, have come into my life. Well, he told me a story about he was out shooting one day, and uh, he lived in the woods, and his his kids were watching him, and they were like they're really mesmerized about the gun, and they hadn't really seen Dad using it yet, and they were kind of they, you know they were children, and he realized that now was the time that he had to have those boys sit down. And before they shot a gun, before they had a firearm in their hand, they had to learn to break it down, how to clean every part of it, how to put it back together, how to break it down again, how to store it, how to store ammunition, all these steps. Before they even put, after that, they're like, yeah, we don't want to play. They weren't, the interest was gone, right? The, 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 the cool factor had suddenly gone. And now... He had that's he he told me that's where I began my kids becoming experts in firearms. Now one of his sons is a, a police officer over here uh, in my part of New York, and um, I think that's you know whether it's we go into martial arts or whether we go into firearms or whatever it is, this type of discipline of entering into more of a spiritual state, and I, I, we don't mean religion, we don't mean anything like that, but actually like that mindfulness, that Zen of all of this, this, you know, the combat arts is extremely important. We can't separate from it. And I'm so happy because I wasn't even thinking about the connection of cleanliness and how important that is into my own path, how we need to make that important in the path of, uh, of, of children and our students. Yeah, I mean, we're teaching firearms here in Serbia because it's very popular. And... Uh, the first thing that students, they even don't know how to take the gun apart and how to maintain it. And uh, so I agree with you about all of that. And I think that it's very, very important if you want to create the right way, the right spirit. And also I wrote an article about the difference between fighter to warrior. And uh, a fighter is a guy that likes to fight. You can see him even in football and he looks for fight with a beer in his hand and he's looking for are you looking at me and you know all of those guys they look for fight uh, a warrior have a part of him that is also a fighter but he have much more than just be a fighter and this is actually my uh, my biggest fight with uh, I, again I, I, I will talk generic but with a lot of MMA guys that they just 
demo like a hooligans and like a macho and and uh, trash talk and all of these things sorry not in my school you know like uh, and it's not it not trigger me uh, this why for example people ask me oh did you see last night UFC no I I refuse to support something like UFC uh, it is important maybe part but the the way that it became like a festival and uh, this kind of uh, trash talk and uh, encouraging only the fighting part, you know, encouraging only like I can beat you up or, you know, like this guy, I asked him, how are you going to teach anti-bully while you are the bully yourself? When you are a bully, you see a guy that teaching something else and immediately you bully him by saying, oh, I can defeat you. So if I can defeat you, what are you yeah. supposed to do? And uh, martial art is uh, taking, uh, like all other things that we see now, it taking steps like more like to be entertainment, uh, more like a gladiator. And martial art contain mind, body, and spirit. And what I see is only body. And I have a lot of friends that even fight or students that fight UFC and MMA and became good champions. But you know what? Now when they're in their 40s, they're like a potato bag. No skills. No, I'm not, you know, because 90% if UFC is uh, pure, uh, I will go to do drug tests on them, but let's say it's a pure energy, strength, uh, power, uh, lifting uh, heavy stuff. You cannot do it when you're 60 or 70. Life is not only to fight when you're 20 years old. It's to fight cancer. It's to fight uh, problems that we we facing in life, and uh, believe or not, is no matter how rich you are or poor you are, we are all going to face some problems. I mean, money is not a problem. It, it, people think that money is a problem. You can live without money. You can live with a lot of money and still be poor. But uh, I think that uh, a lot of people they struggle with the with, really with life because they don't study mind, spirit, and uh, I mean, if I make you a tour in my house, my house is very small, but I'm so happy. <laughs> I, I don't need to clean much. It's very comfortable. Yeah. You know, sometimes we think that big, big, it's like a big car, but then you have a problem sometimes to park it, you know? So um, it depends which lifestyle you, you decide to live and... Uh, I, I try actually as a martial art to teach people uh, how to live quality of life. This is why it's dope. It's like we, we don't only teach you to fight. We teach you Bushido. And the Bushido, the, the warrior, if you had to fight, you will fight. But you do other things than fight. It's how to talk, how to talk polite. Of course, you can talk uh, like a rough. I mean, you can, you know, everybody that have a soft talk can talk rough. But uh, in the end of the day, I think that uh, martial art is education, and this is why it's very, very important to teach it properly, and not to teach it as a fighter, to teach it as a warrior. And a warrior, we always says, the warrior fight not because he hate who is in front of him. Is because he loves who is behind him. So because you love and you defend and not because you hate everyone and you have actually problem with yourself. Most of those aggressive people that looking for fights, they have some problem first with themselves. They need still to find what is the problem, why they fight. And uh, of course, they will attract to anything that has uh, violence. And on the same time, because you mentioned that sometimes uh, kids that in the ghetto, uh, they already know how to fall. But it don't mean that uh, we cannot teach everyone how to fall. That's why judo is for everyone, jiu-jitsu is for everyone. But I think that uh, we say in Japan, you fall seven times and you get up eight. So in judo and jiu-jitsu, we study more like to get up. It's not, not how to fall, because we're all going to fall. I mean, even if you're a judo champion and we play, you throw me 10 times, I throw you one, but you're also going to fall. 
The question, if you know how to get up, and uh, in life, we're going to fall, is no matter why. People losing their, look at COVID. Do you know how many people I know that they lost everything that they built all their life? They think economically that you you lost, can lost uh, the family, you can split because economic situation, you can do. Again, how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to deal with death? Are you going to deal with a lot of things? What, you're going to take alcohol or you're going to take drugs or you have a strong mind and you have a strong spirit. And uh, I believe in uh, spirit. You know, many times people even see me, they don't understand. For many years, I don't really do what I used to do like uh, like a young, you know, to run and to do only push-ups. Everything comes from breathing, like spirit. I'm, and then I'm there. You know, it's like meditation. And this is why a warrior is different than a fighter. And many times people ask me, yeah, if you, you'll fight that guy. Look, if this guy, and I don't care which champion he is, risk my family, believe or not, he has yeah, no chance. Any man's gonna say and this that, is man. why. No, it's like, you know, I teach a seminar in Japan and I had a lot of K1 and Kyokushin and uh, this champion, that champion. And uh, one of my friends, he told me in my ear, Oh, watch out. This guy was uh, last year in this tournament and this guy, oh, he was like uh, in this tournament and he's the, says, I don't need to watch out anybody. I know who is my teacher. I know what road I cross to be standing here and teaching seminars. So the last thing I'm afraid is to step on the mat and somebody, so it's not disrespect them, but you need to know who you are and what you are. And uh, I see today, even in Israeli martial art, every day there's a new federation, uh, non-politic. You know, when federations said that they're non-politic, it always, you can't be non-politic and be a federation. It means that you lie me from your first lesson, uh, first word. We are no politic federation. And they took all the snacks from the Israeli martial art and put them with some famous people inside just to sell certificates. And I see people that I kick out or people with a yellow belt and suddenly they're getting black belt from this federation without even meeting them once in their life. Of course, a guy like this, he will never, never, never fight and win. But anybody that passed a black belt test, a real test, he's there. It's like once a Marines, you're always Marines. You know, like, uh, like you cross, you eat rocks, you... Nobody can break it. Yeah, that's a because you know what it. you do. You you know what you did, and I'm sorry for the army because I mentioned the Marines, but uh, you you understand yeah. my meaning. You know, I know that Marines is uh, tough, but once Marines, you always Marines. It's an important message, I think, for a lot of people that is missed is that experience that you had in Japan of like I don't I don't need to get mentally pushed around here. I know who I am. You don't have to tell me who I am. And I think we'd be in such a better place if more men stepped into life like that. Um, I'd like to pivot into something else here, and that's about, as we talk about the mindset of training and uh, when a parent with children wants to help teach them to become safer, we become too linear thinking. We think it's always about a bad guy or it's always about self-defense. But we also don't understand, too, very, very often it's overlooked the importance of the healing side. I know when we were, you were in New York, we talked about this, that you can't really have a true, you can't call it a true martial art, or you can't call it a true personal protection program without the opposite side of fixing what is broken. And if you're a martial artist who studies fighting, 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 you are eventually going to burn out. I, I mean, we've been, you know, we, we, you, between you and I, we probably have, de you know, there's decades and decades of experience to say this with some authority, that if you're in an offensive art where you're like in MMA or cage fighting or you're in a, a kyokushin or in a hard assertive form where it's fighting impact, fight, fight, hit, fight, fight, you are eventually going to burn the candle at both ends. And if you don't balance that with a healing component, 
whether that has to be a mental and that has to be an emotional and in very much a spiritual side of that, if it's not balanced, you will burn out. But when we work with children, how important, Avi, is it that in our program, in or in our program, in the work that we do with our children, we also take them to first aid, basic first aid, basic self triage if they ever have, if they find them, so they cut themselves or they get hurt in a fight in an altercation and nobody's there to help them. Would you say that it is it is just as important to learn how to to fight as it is to take care of and 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 heal? Or is it maybe 70, 30? Like, where's the balance there that you would advise a parent to take in teaching their children? It's very difficult sometimes to say the, you know, the yeah. measurement. But, you know, in Japan, in Japan, for example, we have four seasons training, like summer, autumn, winter, spring. And it's very important to take four season to, to the students that they train in the snow and it's not comfortable. It's to train in the summer and many times to train them in a different environment, in a lake, inside the water, in a swimming pool. I used to teach uh, the students swimming, diving, uh, many skills. And I think to teach them the thing to study good takes time. And what I see now, and I see a lot of schools, if you can get your black belt in two years, it's garbage. I'm sorry, but there's no other word. And if you tell me that you already studied 10 years and you keep studying, it's a good school. But uh, I see, you know, I, I go and I see a fat kid and the parents, they're, in my opinion, they're doing the crime because you can see that your kid is fat, overweight. And they told me, oh, he's already a black belt. I said, how long is training? Six months with Master Kim. I said, I don't know who gave him the title Master Kim, but you cannot be after six months a black belt. Where this kid is running? What happened to the yellow belt? What happened to the orange belt? You know, like uh, in my school, you cannot put the white belt. You register in my school. And after three months, if you survive, you allowed to put your gi and the white belt. And the parents used to, to laugh and say to me, kids go to sleep with the gi. But, you know, when you go to the school and immediately you buy the most expensive gi, the most, in my school, no. You study for three months as a kid. After three months, I give you the key. It's a ceremony. You're getting your gi. The other kids, because they already know, they have to teach you how to fold it. And, and that's a part of their education for leadership. And in my school, you are a yellow belt, come over here. I want you to teach. It's not that I go to drink coffee. Teach them to fall back. And the kid need to repeat. There is like a, like a curriculum. And he says, okay, you have to do this. You have to do that. Watch out on your neck. And then my question, how many vertebrae you have in your neck? Seven. What happens if you break one and two? What is the name of, uh, what is axis? What is atlas? Atlas hold the head. It's the last one. Axis is here. What happens if you break the axis? You die. So what is important to understand? We never roll over our head. We never roll our neck. That's the most vulnerable. And kids, age six, they already know those things. So they study anatomy. That's interesting. Yeah. They study. I like that. And, and, and uh, we do like uh, uh, sometime, um, I mean, I, you know, like it's very difficult because I must also sometime water down. I cannot be, you know, the last... Uh, but uh, they must study um, like uh, CPR and they must study first aid and, and question them. And if you don't have this, and they must study to improvise. I even teach my all my students because we're doing also so. What happens if you're in the kitchen and you're bleeding like really deep? Take coffee, put coffee. You know, like, and they say, oh, no. Yeah, because you need to, to make the blood to, to stop. And 
Uh, even now, I made a program and we just send them the program and a part of it is how to stop bleeding. You know, we call it a Russian screw. Like you put something and then you put a stick and you roll it and then it's tight, tight, tight. And then we teach them, you need to write what time you make the, the, the thing. So, you know, you, you cannot leave it for five days and kids can know everything if you teach them. And they really so you'd say the healing is you'd say and, the healing uh, is really important. It just don't step into a place of teaching your kids to fight or defend. I, I used to teach massage. I used to teach massage, not oh, like yeah. a massage, uh, but you know how to recover when you get hit here and here, yeah. and uh, it's a part of uh, the teaching. Not uh, you know I don't make it like a lot of school like a holy. It's just a part of the physical parts that how to stretch, how to do different parts and uh, the kids can transfer i mean like when they are yellow belt they already know material that they need to teach and then i scream i don't hear you and the kid need to say you know one two you know or in japanese because yeah it's leadership how, how we don't hear what you're saying and i teach them even to punish another kid uh, talk and he said give me five push-ups so, like a discipline. So, and every kid, he wait for his time to teach. And you know, when a white belt, suddenly it's a part of his yellow belt, and I say, you, come over here. He's already shake. Yeah. He's already, you know, like, yeah. it's a game. But you know what? They study leadership. Because part of the education Huge. is leadership. Is, uh, but you, you know, we're the... <laughs> Where the situation, I fly with a good friend of mine, he's a commando, whatever, he, but he's afraid to fly and he's like, and then I wake him up, I say, this woman is going to die. And one woman, she fall on the floor in the middle of the flight. Nobody pick it up, but immediately, you know, because you know, and immediately uh, the steward coming, hey, you must sit because we're just taking off. And I say, shut you go and get oxygen and then, you know, tell the pilot that we have uh, this situation. And we, we allow, you know, there was a, even a doctor come here yeah, running and he says, oh, I'm a doctor. So, okay, go down, uh, do uh, CPR. You know, I give orders. And when everything finished, <laughs> the, the woman was alive. I, I told the pilot to land. I told the, uh, the pilot to order ambulance. They took her with ambulance. And then, you know, we're flying and, and when we are the heroes, then my friend look at me and says, you know, you didn't do nothing. I said, no, I command all of you. I command, without my commands, the pilot, the, the stewards, bring the oxygen. Told even the doctor what to do. Could you believe it? I'm laughing, when I, but this is leadership. So he says, yeah, you're a military officer. Yeah, that's what you need to know. You need to, and a part of my education I teach kids uh, survival. I teach kids navigating. And this is why where you're running. In the summer, we can do camp and teach you. In the winter, we can make a winter shelter. Teach them that if they stuck with the car and what happens if the car go off the road and you stuck, how you keep your maintain your heat, how you survive. I teach them, uh, uh, for example, my first camp with Toby, we immediately talked about the same thing, about in, environmental, like uh, uh, take a cola can, and give them a chocolate and rub it, and then with a little bit sand, and then, you know, it became like a mirror, the, the cola can, and then you can take the sun and start a fire. And then I told them, this is the reason why you don't want to throw a cola can in the nature, it can start fire, because the sun heat it, so when the kids start to study by games, how to make this and how to make that, it's very, very important. This is why I say um, a part of teaching martial arts is entertainer. Like uh, you don't need to fight million moves, but it teach you mobility. It teach, it, it teach you to be more flexible. It's also uh, build channels between your brain to your muscles that are much more developed. The more they are developed, the better mobility you have. So when you go to school and they just teach you uh, how to fight, the kid after two years or one year, he also quit. He also like anything that is a black belt in uh, 
this system, that system, and you know nothing, nothing, nothing. But uh, I mean, uh, a good school is, I think, school that you see generation. Like uh, I think wh when I was with your school, and we, 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 we you show me all oh, these guys with me for twenty years, and his father was with me, and that's when you know that many times the school. One generation uh, understand and evaluate the the values that he got from this school, and he bring his son, and the son bring the grandchild, and and that's a good school. But you know that means that yeah, I'm not the grandchildren old, yet. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I said that's not good. But uh, it's good. well, Avi, this is uh, this brings us up on the hour. Uh, I really I think ending on the leadership and uh and and not just survival like at a uh, at a desperate level but survival in a in a in an abundance level and how we're teaching our kids uh so many different facets of life and living uh and then ultimately it kind of leading like you said to being able to take control of bad situations like you did uh that's ultimately what this is really all about so um i think in this conversation we were able to talk about many different mindsets and, and avenues and channels of training rather than thinking that you're just preparing your kid to fight in a situation uh, that they're confronted with and how to get out of it because there's so much more to it. And it, takes, uh, it really takes that warrior mindset to enter into it in order to be able to create out of it. In order to create a child to become a warrior, you need to approach it with that mindset rather than just linear thinking and making a fighter because that's pretty easy. So thank you so much, Avi Sensei. I appreciate this. I, yeah, I just want to add something. I will yeah. steal another two minutes. You know, one day there's a very famous story in Israel. It was on the news that uh, some student at the Mossad asked the teacher, why you don't teach us to shoot and to... <laughs> and he says, because then you don't going to use mm -hmm. your brain. I want to see that you have the ability to get out of situation without punching that guy in the nose. And uh, a part of it, and I tell you uh, uh, two stories about marketing that uh, I, I tell it lately. And uh, you need to teach people how to think, how to get from a situation without a fight, which can be also different games in the school, like somebody tried to bully you or to fight with you. Are you going to actually like Aikido, like play with his harmony away from you without beating him up. That's also yeah, a skill, sure. you, you know. And uh, we call it emotional kidnap when somebody really teasing you by putting finger or something and then, you know, you're, you're after him and you drive behind him and you want just to, because he control your mind. And you don't want to let people control your mind. They are not going to decide that now you're going to fight with them. I mean, unless they run to you and really attacking you, you should know how to deal with it. So I'll tell you two stories uh, about marketing. And one guy go to his friend and he see that he have elephant on the on the ground, you know, on the yard. And he tell him, what's that? And he says, oh, it's elephant. So why you need elephants? Oh. My kids play with it. So they don't sit on the computer the whole day with the elephant and eat the grass. So I don't need to cut the grass. And uh, my wife, she do shopping. The elephant help for her. Say, oh, please, you must sell me the elephant. Say, I can't. It's a family now. The elephant is a part of. And he said, okay, I'll give you half million dollars. He buy the elephant. Next week, he see the guy that buy the elephant. The, the other guy see him. He's crying. He's skinny, don't eat, he don't sleep. Told him what happened. He says, oh, that elephant is a nightmare. It's the worst ever deal I ever did. He said, why? See, my wife's scared. He he break the trees in my yard. You know what he told him? With this attitude, you will never manage to sell the elephant. So we need to teach people attitude. Sometimes we need attitude to fight, but sometimes we need attitude to sell. And to fight is a part of like anything in life. Anything in life is a negotiation. When you want to cross the road and you look and the driver look, it's some kind of a negotiation between you. Are you going to stop? And I'm going to, to stop. But everything in life is actually marketing, bargain. You, 
you, you, you know, and that's why even when I teach kids to cross the street, yeah, but I have a green light. It don't mean nothing. But I have the zebra. It don't mean nothing. The other guy, he just did a bank robbery right now and he escaped. Do you think he's going, <laughs> he did a bank robbery. Do you see him also respect the zebra because you, it's my right to cross. So this is why you have to teach people also a negotiation. It's very important. Because, you know, all their life, yeah. they will negotiate. Even with parents, they're checking your limits. They, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Avi Sensei, thank you so much for this. Thank you so much for all that. I mean, that's an incredible amount of information. But I think, uh, you know, we, at least I feel as though I accomplished the goal of this conversation, which was to kind of gain some of your experience in, in, like I just said, the mindset of this. And hopefully that will help uh, some of the audience to step into their own training experience and their own teaching ability uh, with a more holistic view of, uh, of going about it. So thank you so much for your time, uh, your friendship and your support. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. I want to thank you for spending time with us on this episode today. It's truly appreciated. I hope you got some value from it. If you want to go ahead and leave any comments or questions, reach out to me directly. I personally answer all of the questions that you have. If you know someone like yourself who may find value in this episode, then please go ahead and share it. We'd also like to ask you to subscribe to Close Quarter Dad. This way you get updated every time a new episode comes out wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you so much once again.